Hey, grab a seat. And as you do, grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 7. If you need a Bible under a seat close by, you'll find a black Bible under there. Grab that. Find the book of Proverbs and get to uh, chapter 7 this morning. Um, while you turn there, um, let me play the role of Captain Obvious for us. All of us in this room are only ever one decision away from deeply damaging our life. Agree? All of us in this room, we are one bad decision on a business trip away from, from, from unleashing carnage in our life. We are, we are one careless text message away um, from wreaking havoc in our life. All of us who sit in this room, we're only one decision away from from putting a dent in our marriage to putting a dent in our relationship with our kids to putting our dent in our life. And, and, And we know this to be true. And yet here's another thing that we know to be true. None of us in here are setting out to make a decision like that. Am I right? I've I've been in ministry almost nine years now. And every time someone kind of pulls into the repair bay of their life, um, not once have I ever heard someone say, after just making a choice that unleashed carnage in their life, never once has someone said, yeah, I meant to do that. It's never happened. Because all of us in here, we know that we're only ever one decision away from getting there, but we also know that none of us in here are trying to do that. And yet, People just like us every day make a decision that puts a deep dent into their life. Am I right? Now, here's the cool thing. God's word today, God's word today helps us put guardrails on our life in such a way that if we will heed the wisdom of God as given in Proverbs chapter seven today, it will keep us, it will prevent us from having to walk away from a situation in our life going, how did I do that? Why did I do that? I can't believe that I did that. The the carnage that this is gonna create, Proverbs chapter seven is, is going to be five principles that we pull out of here to keep us from making a deeply deeply destructive decision in our life. All in favor of a message like that, say I, because I need it. There's something in this wicked heart that not led by God's wisdom out of his word will always veer to the ditch of just doing what I want in the moment. We need God's wisdom to guard our steps, to guide our way, and to keep us from making a deeply destructive decision with our lives. Let's pray and ask God for help, and then let's get into his word. Father, come now. Lord, we acknowledge before you, you are holy and we are not. You are wise, Lord, we are foolish. You are inherently good. Lord, we are are born with a sin nature. We need your help. We need your wisdom. 
Lord, we gather in this room today as a people who do not want to make decisions with our life that are gonna leave a lasting dent. And Lord, we know that we need your wisdom to help guide us and direct us in that. So Lord, out of your word right now, would these next 30 minutes be an investment in the next 30 years of our life? Would these guide and would these shape with the principles of Proverbs 7, Lord, soak into our heart this morning and guard our way as we walk and live this life with you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Get to verse one with me, Proverbs chapter seven. Starts like this. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. So the context of Proverbs chapter seven, the immediate context is, is wisdom of warning against adultery. And yet as we unpack Proverbs chapter seven and we see the immediate context in which it speaks to, there's deep principles throughout this chapter that are going to guard our way, not only from adultery, but from any sort of sin decision or foolish decision that would just unleash carnage in our life. And there's something in the first four verses that we have to see. Go back there with me. Uh, Help me read this. My son, what's the next word? Keep my words. And, And then what? And then what's it say? And, and, and store up or treasure up my commandments with you. Again, how does verse two start? Keep my commandments, keep my teaching, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. There's something so important as Proverbs chapter seven starts that the commandments of the Lord, the commandments of wisdom, which come from the one who is wisdom, God himself, they are not just to be known. They're not just to be understood. They are meant to be treasured and kept. Five wise ways to guard our life from a deeply destructive decision. Number one, it starts with this, bind treasure and keep God's commands. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in church every Sunday from the time I was a baby. I could tell you a lot about God. I can tell you a lot of verses had a lot of verses memorized. I went to Awana. I did my memory verses. I got my badges on my sparky uniforms. Anyone with me? Come on. We praise God for Awana and getting God's word in our heart. And yet so much of my life was just about knowing things about God. And like coming in in my spiritual pride and whipping off my 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 verses on Sunday that weren't translating at all to uh, life maybe on Friday night or Saturday night. There's a subtle deception when we grow up maybe in church world where we think just knowing about it, knowing about the Lord, knowing about his word equals a protection from a damaging decision. But look at what Proverbs 7 tells us, keep them. It's not just about knowing God's word. It's about, 
It's about keeping God's word. It's about it translating into the way we live our life. My son, keep my words, treasure up my commands, keep my commandments, keep my teaching, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Is the point clear? Man, Proverbs 7 makes the point so clear to us, but here's the deal. Do we treasure the commands of the Lord? Do we have a regular personal, unhurried time in our day to sit with this before us and let it go from the page through the eyes into our heart and where we just treasure the commandments of the Lord? Do we have a regular, unhurried, personal time to treasure the commands of the Lord? One of the hardest things in ministry, and it always happens on Mondays, is when the news gets around of a pastor who's been removed from his ministry for a moral failure. And it's usually announced to a church on a Sunday, and then Monday it kind of spreads around the pastoral world, and there's a lot of grieving that happens on these Mondays when you get news like this. Um, In the last year and a half, there was a senior pastor who was removed by the elders of the church for a a rightful reason. And... um, Shortly after this, he um, had a time of healing, but then um, had a chance to speak to a group of church planters, to which one of the questions was just, how did, how, what happened? How did this happen? How did you get to that point? You know what he focused on in his answer to that? It wasn't anything about the actual decision that led to his disqualification. He said, you want to know how I got to that point? I got rid a long time before then, of a regular personal time in God's word daily just for my own heart. I'm trying to not forget that lesson. If we get away from that, it's the little investment day after day after day of getting this word into our heart that compounds over time and stands guard against us making a decision that puts a major dent in the side of our life. And now some of you realists in here are going, that doesn't guarantee that. I can be in my word every single day and still make a deeply damaging decision in my life. Yes, you can. It does not guarantee that we won't still make a decision like that. But here's what I can tell us. If we don't have a time like that, in our day, we can almost guarantee that over time we will make a decision like that. Psalm 119 says, I've stored up your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. There's something protective to our heart of saturating our time with a personal, unhurried, Not like, got to get to work, got to check this off. No, no, no. Unhurried. Let it soak in. Camp out here. Don't get up until there's been a time of worship in your morning or in your evening where you just met with the Lord. Amen? I want that. I don't want checklist devotional. I don't want, just do it so I don't feel guilty on the rest of my day. And I'm guilty of all of those things. Bind, treasure, keep God's commands. It's a, it's a way we set a guardrail for making a deeply destructive decision. Now look at verse six. Now this gets into this parable. 
Proverbs chapter seven kind of leads in with a, a narrator speaking and closes with this narrator speaking. But now this gets into this parable and look at what it says, verse six, for at the window of my house, I've looked out through my lattice and I've seen among the who, what's it, what's it call them? I've seen among the who? I've seen among the simple. I've perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Now just stop right there for a second because I want us to get in. I want us to get there. We got to get to this moment. Uh, You have this picture of an older, wiser man looking down from above with a higher ground view. um, And he's looking down on the street view and his eyes lock in to what what does it call him? Who's he watching? A simple one, a youth who, a young man who lacked sense. Now, Proverbs is really direct. When Proverbs wants to call a fool a fool, it calls him a fool. You know what a fool is? A fool is someone who knows the way of wisdom and says, I'm going to go this way. That won't, that won't apply to me. I'll be all right. Ever played the fool? Uh, when Proverbs wants to call a mocker or a scoffer a scoffer, it calls him a scoffer. A scoffer is someone who says that, I know the way of wisdom. I'm going this, in, get this way anyway. And if you try to correct me in the process, you'll, you're going to pay for it. But then when it calls the simple, simple, I think what it's painting here is an older, wiser man sitting down with a higher perspective who's seen how this path this guy is walking down plays out. And you have this youth, this young man who lacks sense, who's just like, walking down the road, who has no clue the danger that he is walking into, who lacks the life experience to have wisdom to know that he is walking dead into a trap. The wise man upstairs looking down is going, I've seen how this plays out. This isn't going to be good. Five ways to avoid a deeply destructive decision with our life. Number two is this, get a lattice looker in your life. And, and how's that point finish? And, and, and listen to them. Millennials, can I speak to you for a second? <clears throat> We don't know. And all God's people over 50 said, we don't know. We think we know. We have every best intention of following Jesus. We think we know, but there are times, and let's just admit it. There are times we're just, (laughs) you're going down a dangerous way. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'm good. We need a lattice looker in our life. We need regularly to be sitting down across the table. We need to go up to someone sitting in this room who has a little more gray hair than we do and say, can I buy you coffee every month? And I need you to help me. Help you with what? I don't even know what I need help with, but I know I need help. Young married couple, couple, go find a marriage that's endured it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and say, will you please, will you please, can we go to coffee once a month? Can we, can, 
Can you come sit in our living room once a month? Will you just speak into our marriage? Because we don't know what we don't know. Young parents. I was a really good parent before I became a parent. Erica and I would see these families like out to dinner and their kid would have like a tablet in front of them. Like not on our, not on our family time. You walk in now to Olive Garden, Kate's will be all up Daniel Tiger on a tablet in front of him. I need help. What do I do when I'm out in, my pub, out in public and I say, hey, Kate, I need you to do this. And he politely looks back at his daddy and says, no, thanks, daddy. No, bro, that wasn't a multiple choice, like, response, question. What do I do? Help. Empty nesters who've been through every stage of parenting are now parenting adults and figuring it out. Help us. And young person, young marriage, young parents, are we going to humble ourselves and listen? And it's not just a young person game, right? 50-year-olds, we need to sit at the feet of the 70-year-olds. We need lattice lookers in our lives who are going, I've seen how this plays out. You don't want to walk this way. The lattice looker here, the man of wisdom, he knows that this youth is walking into danger. And why does he know that? Look at what verse eight says. Let me back up to seven. I've seen among the simple, I've perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. The, the, the wise man sitting up in his window, looking down is going, uh-oh, no, 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 don't go that way. Where does it tell us this man is walking? At her corner, near her house, at what time of day? At night. Five wise ways to keep ourselves from a deeply damaging decision. Number three is this, don't walk dangerous roads at vulnerable times. And anyone want to give an amen to that? Don't walk dangerous roads at vulnerable times. Sounds good in principle. What's it look like in practice? How about this for obvious? Bad things happen when we go places where bad things can happen. <laughs> Parents, that's free of charge, okay? <laughs> I look back on my life and of the things I would never share from this pulpit because it would not be edifying to any of us. And I look at the things, oh Lord, what I would have to have a rewind button on my life and go back and navigate around that. You know what I find is consistent with all of those examples? I put myself in a place and gave myself the opportunity to sin. Bad things happen when we put ourselves in places where bad things can happen. Married man, married woman. Don't walk dangerous roads at vulnerable times. Don't confide in a member of the opposite sex. And don't let them confide in you. Hey, my, my marriage is really struggling right now. And I, I, I don't know if I should talk to you about this. No, no, no. Let's talk about it. What's going on? 
How can I pray for you? Let me just kind of be a, an, <clears throat> a shoulder to lean on in this season. No, 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 no. What are you talking about? I should be there for my sister in Christ. Listen, bro, there should be a sister in Christ there for that sister in Christ at that time. College student who wants to do college, you want to do it the right way. You want to honor the Lord in it. You, you've set out, you, you know, you got your Bible study. It's on Wednesday night. Oh, there's a fraternity party Friday night. I'll pop in. I just got some people I want to catch up with. No, 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 no. Don't walk dangerous roads at vulnerable times. Bad things happen when we go places where bad things can happen. And look at what happens now. When we put ourselves where we give opportunity for temptation to start talking. Temptation always talks, by the way. It started in Genesis chapter 3. Look at how temptation starts to talk when we put ourselves in opportunities and give it a voice. Verse 10, and behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She's loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner, she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices and today I've paid my vows. So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. And I found you. I've spread my couch with offerings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, Let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Five ways to avoid a deeply damaging decision. Number four is this. Don't buy the lies temptation is selling you. Temptation talks. And its talk is full of lies. Satan hates you. He hates me. He hates my marriage. He hates my kids. And he's so good with the talk that he puts in the mouth of temptation. I want you to see it right out of the text here. Three lies temptation sells. Look at line number one. Line number one is this. This was tailor made for you. Look at what she says. Verse 13, she seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifice. And today I've paid my vows. Now help me with verse 15. Every time we come to the word you, I need you to say it out loud. Verse 15, so now I have come out to meet, to seek eagerly. And I have found, look at this. She comes out of her house. You are the one. You are the one. I want you. Temptation, Satan knows how to tailor make temptation for us. He knows our struggles. He knows where he can get us. And and he'll present temptation in front of us and go, this was made for you and you were made for this. You know how your life's not as satisfying as you hoped it would be at this point? You know how you feel like you're missing some void? The void is this. And when that lie comes, let's call it what it is. L-I-E, lie. When we start to go, you know what? That kind of does look like it was made for me. Call it what it is, lie. 
Three lies, temptation sells. Number two, this will satisfy you. Verse 16, I've spread my couch with offerings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. This will be so good. This will be so satisfying. This is exactly what you want. Call it what it is, and it is a, it's a lie. It may satisfy for mere minutes and it will unleash carnage for years. You don't want to be up in here. Okay, I'll tell you that. But when temptation comes, I try to preach to myself, Satan hates me and he's lying to me. Don't buy it. Three lies, temptation sells. Third one, no one will know No one will know this about you. 19, for my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Hey, hey, come on, come in. My husband's not home. He's not coming back for a long time. Listen, no one's going to know about this. No one will find out. Your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. And even if we make it an entire life and no one found out about that deep, dark little secret, we're then going to stand before the one who saw all. And who knows? Our sin will find us out. When you see that, when you hear that, no one will know about this. Call it what it is. It's a lie. And this simple youth believes the lies. And now look at the point Proverbs 7 drives to, verse 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Listen to the death language now. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. As a stag, a deer is caught fast till an an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, And now, O sons, and now, O sons, this is where Proverbs 7 is striving to right here. It's pleading with us, listen to godly wisdom. This is the entire parable. The entire story is driving to verse 24 right here. And now, O sons, and now, O daughters of the Most High God, listen. Listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths for many a victim she has laid low and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death. Five ways we avoid a deeply damaging decision. Last one, whatever you do, 
never take the death step. If you're here today and you are on the cusp, you are on, you are on the tipping point. There's an affair that looks so attractive. There, there's all, Satan has just woven a web of lies in your mouth and you are right here. I, impl- I, I plead with you. Proverbs 7, 24, listen to wisdom. Preach truth to your mind. Hear this and turn around when you leave here and run from it. Don't take the step. If we fail at one through four, if we're walking dangerous paths at vulnerable times, if we're believing the lies of temptation, and if we've come right up to the edge here, listen, this is why God brought you to church today. Turn around and run. Turn around and run. He he loves you so much. He does not want you. He's given you his word. He's saying, I don't want you to face the carnage that this is going to unleash on your life. Turn around and run. All of Proverbs 7 is driving to this. Listen to wisdom. Listen to wisdom. And it will keep you from a deeply destructive decision. The worship team's going to join me here in a minute. Um, but I felt this tension all week with this message. I had the title of the message when the week started was actually um, Five Wise Ways to Avoid a Life-Destroying Decision. But I didn't like that title. Because I want to speak to those in this room right now who are like, that's all fine and well. And that would have applied five years ago, 10 years ago, before I made the decision that destroyed life as I knew it. Before I, before I took the step that, that damaged the relationship with the kids, that damaged the marriage, where, where was this message then? And, 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 and it's too late for me now Listen, too late is not in the vocabulary of our Savior. Our Savior is the master rescuer of ruined lives. He will chase us down the worst roads that we've walked. He'll step over the vomit of the mess that we've made in different seasons. He'll pick us up off the ground. He'll throw us over his shoulder and he'll carry us out. He will set your feet back on solid ground. Too late is not in the vocabulary of our Savior. DJ, are you back there? Come out here whenever. There's a song that we sang earlier. And it says, oh, come to the altar. 
the Father's arms are open wide. Some of you are here right now and you think, uh, the Father's arms are open wide for everyone but me because God knows what I've done. There are things from your past that have left you feeling perpetually dirty since they happened. I want you to hear of a savior who was dirty, bruised, and beaten, went to a cross to pay for all of the dirt of all of the people sitting in this room. And all of the people sitting in this room got dirt. DJ, will you just sing that line? Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. You need to believe that for you. That's not something that applies to everyone but you because of your certain sin that happened at that certain time. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide for you. And why is that true? Why is that true? DJ, finish that verse. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Christians believe something that they call the gospel. And the gospel means good news. And what this good news is, is that we are hopelessly wretched people. Does it sound good yet? We are hopelessly wretched people. I've already told you, there's things in my life I would never share from this pulpit because it would not be honoring to the Lord whatsoever. We are hopelessly wretched people. With an awesome Savior. With an awesome Savior. If you've grown up in church and you know a lot about him and you know his name and you can recite verses about him, but you've never tasted for your own heart this amazing thing called grace that the moment you tasted it freed you of the weight and the shame and the guilt of your past, you have to know the Savior today. Because your forgiveness was bought, done, and paid for all of it, all your junk, all your shame on the cross as his blood ran down, your forgiveness was lifted up. Do you know him? Have you put your faith in that savior today? Can you claim his death and his blood over your sin today? And so as we close right now, just stand right where you're at. We're gonna worship to these truths. We're gonna worship to these truths. And as we worship to these truths, how about an old fashioned altar call? If you're here today and you are on the cusp of a decision that's going to wreak, wreak, wreak havoc in your life, if you're here today and you need hope and you need to lean on God's wisdom and you need to talk to someone, we'll meet you right up front right here. And if you're here today and you need to know this awesome Savior, you want the dirt clean, you want the old gone, you want the new here, we'll meet you right up front. First service, people coming up front, lives being changed by this Savior. We believe that He's going to do it again. Let's lift this up together. Oh, come to the altar.